Welcome to the Sticks and Stones and Broken Bones podcast with Rock Valley Physical Therapy. When you're looking for solutions to pain, we are here to help. Whether success for you means lifting a grandchild, getting back to work, or simply walking up the stairs without pain, Rock Valley Physical Therapy is here to help with compassionate, expert clinicians whose goal is to make care as fun and easy as possible. Each episode, we will spend time learning from healthcare providers and patients in hopes of offering solutions to your own aches and pains. Welcome back, listeners, to the Sticks and Stones and Broken Boats podcast with Rock Valley Physical Therapy. I'm your host, Sam Huey, recording live from the Greg Monson Studios in Waukee, Iowa. Today is the day after Thanksgiving. Not sure when I'll get this edited and put out, but uh, if that gives you some context on our conversation, that's where we're coming from today. Um, I've got currently in the clinic, I've got a student with me. His name is Spencer Sabrin. And he is going to join us today and tell us a little bit about his experience as a physical therapy student through a pandemic and now a clinical intern on the student experience in, in a pandemic. So this is a guy that's never seen a patient without a mask because this is all he's known. Um, like to welcome the one and only Spencer Sabrin. Well, thank you. Happy to be here. Yeah, glad to have you. Um, how was your Thanksgiving, first of all? Uh, it was really fun. Um, really didn't do a whole lot. Had some family over, staying with my aunt and uncle, but uh, it was a nice relaxing evening with the family. Nice. Well, Spencer and I have had a little debate over the past week or two about the best Thanksgiving food. You want to share uh, what, your, what your top is? My top is definitely pumpkin pie. Uh, had my fill of it yesterday, so really enjoyed that. A little bit of stuffing, you know, can't go wrong with any stuffing, right? See, this is where this is where I debate with that, Spencer. Uh, I'm a big green bean casserole guy, pumpkin pie guy. Stuffing can stay in the pan. It doesn't. It doesn't need to get on my plate, and it didn't yesterday. So, we've had a little friendly debate about that. Um, my family and I went to the Ghostbusters movie the night before Thanksgiving. I'm not endorsing it, but I know Bill Murray's a big listener. So, if we are looking for sponsors, Bill, so if you're interested, hit us up. Okay. Great, great one-liner, great dad jokes in that movie, and that's my speed as Spencer knows. So we'll save one of those for the end. But uh, enough about me, Spencer, tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, so my name is Spencer Sabrin. I'm from a small town called Roseau, Minnesota. So you go nine hours straight north of Des Moines, you'll hit it um, about 10 miles from the Canadian border. And yes, we do have electricity up there. Um, that's about the first question everyone asks. Um, but otherwise, I went to my undergrad at University of North Dakota. And then did my three years there and was able to apply to the PT program a year early. So got into the PT program, uh, got about two and a half years in now, and we'll be finishing up and graduating in May. Yeah, just for clarification, it's almost 50 degrees today in Des Moines. Spencer, what's the temperature up north? I checked it earlier, actually. I think it's about 16 degrees for a high today. So it's nice being down south here for the winter. Yes, he's, he's wintering in Des Moines, Iowa, like, like so many do. Um, so Spencer's had a really interesting experience along with, you know, a lot of other students over the past, you know, two years, year and a half, I guess it's been. Um, so before he shares his experience, I guess I was going to share a little bit about what a quote unquote normal PT experience looks like when you're in graduate school. So I went to the University of Iowa, graduated in 2010. Um, and so after your undergraduate degree at the University of Iowa, it's about two and a half year program. They go through the summers. Um, 
at Iowa, we had a group of, I think we had 36 in our class, finished with 35. Um, so it becomes a really tight knit group. You know, you're with the same group of people all day long, every day. Um, you get to know a lot about each other, get your hands on each other a lot because you're practicing all your skills on each other. Um, and that's, to me, that's one of the most beneficial things. You know, you get to find, oh, this guy had a knee issue when he was in high school, so he's going to be our test dummy for the knee stuff today, right? Um, so you get your hands on a lot of people, and, and you really get to know people on a pretty intimate level, um, build some strong relationships there. So um, from, what the, from what it sounds like, that's, that's one thing the, the, pandem the pandemic robbed Spencer and other students of. So maybe, maybe start with a little bit of how, how your graduate program started and then where it went from there. Yeah, so we started in uh, around September of 2019. Um, so it'd be pretty normal. I'd say just about the same as what Sam went through. Uh, we had 52, had 52 in our class. Um, started off with like kind of, kind of our general anatomy, uh, had like cadaver lab, that sort of thing. So all of that was fairly normal. Um, and then worked our way through that first fall semester and then coming into spring semester. Um, once again, started off fairly normal, kind of had a mix up of the second year students um, coming, leaving for clinicals and then third year students coming back for clinicals and a mix, mix of that. So got to know kind of everyone who was in the program at the time. And once again, like Sam said, building those relationships with uh, the new people who weren't in our class and then everyone in our class kind of once again, finding those little things about each other and building a lot of great friendships, which is fun definitely to start off with. And you had 51 other people to kind of get to know. And then uh, March 2020 rolled around and what happened then? Yeah, so I still remember the day because it was Iowa versus Minnesota in the Big Ten tournament. Uh, so March 12th came and we were hanging out. Uh, so like a couple of days beforehand, we had like heard of this COVID thing. No one really knew much about it at the time. But uh, we we're leaving for spring break and the head of our program came into our class before we headed out for the day and uh, kind of like gave us a rundown of like what might happen. They didn't have any real... Um, expectations or couldn't tell us really anything what's going to happen but kind of just said be prepared after uh, spring break happened to maybe not come back for a couple of weeks or kind of just start out with kind of wait and see to see what happens and while we we're in class and the um, the dean of the program the head of the program was talking to us we got an email from the university that said we'll be off for two weeks I think it was two weeks 10 days something like that after spring break so um kind of had to switch on the fly and kind of just brought our books home and waited to kind of see what was going to happen. Yeah. So at the time you were living with four other guys or four, uh, four guys total? Well, before that I was, I was in an apartment with a couple of high school friends. So this was before we had moved in with each other. So I, at this time it had no one who was in the PT field or knew really anything about PT living with me. So kind of as we progressed in through it, it was nice kind of having that space, but then as we as we kind of get into a little bit, I think it was really nice having some PT fellow PT students with living with me at the time. Yeah, so such a big part of PT school is the hands-on skills that you learn with each other, getting to practice on a lot of it, a lot of different people. Um, so was that kind of what sparked the move to to move in with some of the other guys from the program? Yeah. So one of my we had kind of like jumbled around the idea of moving in with each other, just didn't really know who we were going to move in with and. Kind of looking for a place and ended up finding a five bedroom place so got to find four other people to live with so um lived with one of the 
first year students who's going to be coming to the program and then three other my classmates at the time so true anchorman i believe the line from anchorman and <laughs> after this is all over we should get a place together but they just dove in in the midst of it it's good definitely moving in and during a pandemic <clears throat> is fun to say the least right so tell me about pandemics going now you're moved in with other pt students your classes are all online or what are you doing there yeah so like right away after after that march 12th ish kind of time frame uh we're in we're in different classes and kind of everyone was trying to learn how to transition learning finding out what zoom was i don't think i even knew what zoom was before this and uh learning like pnf patterns and like whoa, whoa, whoa. all right clearly i know what pnf patterns are but for the for that listener what does that mean uh so really put me on the spot here <laughs> uh so it's like different motions using like upper body and lower body there's two different sets for the upper body and the lower body Kind of just adding in different motions. Uh, we're we're getting into at the time like a lot of stroke rehab sort of things. So they use that a lot during during stroke rehab. You can use it during uh, really any different dysfunctions or or people that you're working with. But uh, just kind of different motions using your upper body and your lower body to kind of get a I'd say a general mass movement pattern going in. Good. The teachers will be proud, Thank and uh, those those movements really help that you just did on the on this audio podcast. I think the listeners will really it'll really hit home those arm movements you're just doing. I talked. That's <laughs> what did I say? That's good. That's good. All right. So you're learning PNFs on the computers. Then what? Yeah. So um, kind of really like I said, we're learning how to do things, and I mean, I think at the time teachers were struggling, students were struggling. I mean, this was new to everyone else, so I'd say a lot of a lot of mental went into it of trying to figure out how am I going to, how long is this going to last? No one really knows what's going to, what's going to, what the future is going to hold. So not knowing if am I going to do the next year and a half of school all online, or am I going to, am I going to, when am I going to be hands-on with people again? Cause I mean, like you said, being hands-on is all, all part of physical therapy. And now I'm trying to learn hands-on stuff with no roommates who know anything about <laughs> physical therapy and <laughs> <laughs> over a zoom over a zoom call so it's definitely different yeah i will say one thing i've noticed with, over the last year and a half with students that we've had in here like you guys are super resilient right i mean this is this is all this cohort of students has known so maybe it's maybe it's because they don't know any better but they're they come in and they're you know eager to learn they're confident and asking good questions um <clears throat> What has been, what have been some things maybe that now that you're out in the clinic and experiencing some of these things that have been challenging or maybe different than what you had envisioned when you got out of the textbook learning, you know? Yeah, so definitely kind of get the, the paper patients more or less and kind of know what things to look for for certain diagnoses or. How many paper patients have you seen in the clinic so far? Like when we say paper patients, they mean like the textbook examples of a rotator cuff tear or a disc bulge. Like this is what they teach you in school, what it looks like. Uh, none. <laughs> so, I mean, there's little things that you can kind of maybe touch on, but definitely not going into going into an eval saying like, oh, this is what I'm going to see because this is what the paper told me to see. Right. Yeah. So learning again, like not always textbook examples, right? these are people attached to these diagnoses right so yeah. like weeding through what triggers them what their life is all about not just the, the person on the paper right yeah and i'd say that's definitely something that i've had to overcome more or less because um i like it like i said i haven't worked with a lot of patients um what 
12 weeks now or so into like actually being hands-on with people. So uh, it's definitely been more or less an eye-opener, um, asking questions all the time. But I'd say the biggest thing is definitely the speed, um, depending on what setting you're in, but just kind of being able to go patient to patient. And I'd say that um, also like the hands-on aspect. So whether it's like joint mobilizations or scar mobilizations, kind of getting a feel for what's normal and a feel for what's not normal and being able to touch on those and what I should work on next sort of thing. Um, so definitely, I'd say it, it's definitely becoming easier and I can kind of hone in and pick up on things when they're not feeling normal, but also kind of bouncing that off of you just to kind of double confirm what I was thinking. Yeah. And I will say one thing I was concerned about during the pandemic was we have a pretty small office here. So we were worried about just numbers of bodies in the clinic, you know, um, and I will say like our patients have been amazing too. At, at first I was worried, you know, they're not going to want another person sitting in the room or even sitting 10 feet away observing. Um, but of course we're doing proper precautions, hand washing, wearing masks, all that good stuff. Um, and I, I think patients have even appreciated students more now because some of us, you know, some of those patients aren't interacting with a lot of people. So another person they get to spend some time with and talk to, and I don't, I don't think we've had any patients that have hesitated at having a student in, you know, related to COVID anyway. Yeah, and I'd say, I'd say that's really nice because, I mean, you can obviously have some hesitancy at times to, and definitely when we hear like, oh, students, you kind of sometimes have a little turn off on that term more or less, but kind of knowing that I went through my schooling, I did this, I did the same schooling. It was just, I haven't been able to be hands-on. So, and I'd say that I definitely, um, air on like the gentle side when we're doing like mobilization and stuff like that. And Sam does a really good job of like asking, asking the patient, I'm going to do this, note how it feels. Then Spencer's going to hop in and uh, let them know if it's, if it feels about the same. So kind of gives me that sense of, am I doing it right? Am I doing it not painfully? Kind of what does it feel like? So getting a good mental note of pressure is very, very good. And we always joke that by that definition, that means that my technique is the gold standard, clearly. And if he's doing it up to my standard, then we're good, right? <laughs> so thanks for that. Yeah, he's the, he's the go-to guy. <laughs> so I would say another challenge that we had as an organization through COVID with students was like during the, the peak of the pandemic, like summer 2020, let's say, how are we going to keep these students busy, right? We, were, we took a lot of extra students because hospitals and other places weren't willing to take them at that time. Um, so we took on extra students during 2020 and basically developed some online modules, some different programming. We, we developed a telehealth module for them, understanding that telehealth is here for now and it may be here to stay, right? Mm -hmm. it's, it may be a part of how you practice going forward. Um, so that was an interesting challenge as an organization, um, keeping people safe, keeping people spread out and keeping them busy enough to learn right yeah so we uh speaking of that little telehealth portion we that's kind of what our teachers brought up too so we got telehealth certified through the i think the APTAS i'm on that so kind of went through that course and got certified in that and then um a lot of our classes ended up being like linking up with some of the first year students at the time and being able to like do certain dysfunction screenings or something like that and through the camera screen because we weren't able to be with them at the time but kind of like learning learning like more of the exam and eval process through through a computer was tough at times, but yeah, like you said, telehealth is here for now. Maybe we'll stick, stick around, but I think it helps a lot of 
a lot of people definitely not more or less not in the, like the Des Moines area, the big city area, but places like Roseau, small town, um, like the closest real main hospital, if you're going to go anywhere, it's like two hours away. So not making that drive all the time and knowing now more or less that, that you can transition into telehealth and meeting with a doctor from your own home is, is definitely good for those rural areas. Yeah. And there's certainly diagnoses that are easier to, you know, assess and treat via telehealth than others. Um, but the other thing we found it useful for occasionally is, you know, if somebody calls in cancels because either they've had a COVID exposure or they've got a sick kid at home, but they're feeling fine. Sometimes rather than just have them cancel that appointment and not see them till next week, sometimes we'll actually turn that into a telehealth visit. Um, haven't been doing a whole lot of that recently, but it's, it's just another access point basically to get some, some care that you need and, and keep progressing. Um, Spencer, anything else that, uh, like over the last, what have you been here, five weeks now? Yeah. Yeah. That's been eye-opening, surprising, or things that uh, you're looking forward to as you kind of wrap up clinicals and get into the, the paid world of PT. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, definitely going to be a nice transition, I'd say, moving into getting paid for stuff that I do. But uh, I did buy him a drink at lunch today. So did. it was, I'm not a, I'm not an energy coffee. I'm starting to get into being a coffee guy, but definitely not an energy drink guy and feeling a little jittery right now. <laughs> not gonna lie. But uh, things that I'm looking forward to, I'd say it's definitely just like progressing kind of like my, like my personal PT, like practice or kind of like how I go about things, things that I like to touch on with patients or um, Sam does a good job of kind of questioning me a lot of times about it to make me actually think which I definitely enjoy and uh, kind of a little good back and forth sometimes on why why things why we should do things and why we shouldn't do things and really making me think so I think adding that in and uh, kind of like progressing more and more on that is something that I look forward to because kind of and not being able to be hands-on or kind of like all the access with the teachers like you usually do I mean they're the teachers at UND were great at like being able to schedule Zoom times to meet with them or office hours when we we're able to kind of slowly get back into that time. But sometimes, I mean, it just got to be a lot for everyone, I think. So at certain times, you kind of felt like you wanted to take a back seat a little bit. So, and if you're not kind of that person that will reach out or is that outgoing type more or less, kind of, I feel like not that anyone had it easy during the pandemic, but it's probably a lot harder for the people who didn't like reaching out at times. So. I think it's great that we're able to be out in clinicals right now and uh, kind of more or less put into this position because this is what we're going to have to be doing in six months from now. So really being able to be hands-on and I'd say the patients, I mean, I haven't had any troubles with any patients so far, which has been really nice. And I think everyone is really considerate on, I haven't been through this, so I may, I might make a mistake, but not going to put you in a position where your safety is at, at risk or anything like that. So. Yeah, we're gonna hear on the less aggressive side if you if you do make a mistake, and then we'll be there to bump it up more aggressive, more challenging if we need to, right? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. <clears throat> well, I'd like to say thanks to University of North Dakota for letting Spencer come down. We didn't have a established contract with them prior to this, um, just because typically we have contracts with kind of geographically close areas. So, thanks for letting Spencer spend some time with us. Um, if any of you are listening. Dave or Sean or whoever. Dave, Sean, Cindy, Gary, 
Mary D. I hope Mary D listens. I'm gonna make Mary D listen. I think Mary D should. I don't know okay. Mary D, but if Bill Murray's listening, I think Mary D. Bill Murray. Yeah, perfect. Bill Murray. Yeah, big shout out there. Um, so speaking of which, Ghostbusters movie. Girl, oh, she's probably like 12, 13 years old. I don't want to give a spoiler on who she is. You find out at the end, but spoiler alert. No, I'm not gonna give a spoiler, okay. but okay. she's got this super dry sense of humor and she tells all these dad jokes the whole time. And this is one of my favorites, and my kids caught onto this one pretty quick. So Spencer, what do you uh what do you call a dead polar bear? Oh, I thought this was gonna be the one that you told me earlier. We can do that one too, but what do you call a dead polar bear? I don't know. What is it? Whatever you want. That's terrible. <laughs> That's terrible. It's dead. It doesn't matter. All right. This one's funny. It had to explain this to my seven-year-old. Still didn't get it. <laughs> what what do a, a cigarette and a hamster have in common? They're both harmless until you put them in your mouth and light them on fire. So he was like, why would you put a hamster in your mouth? Why would you light it on fire? And my response should have been, why would you put a cigarette in your mouth and light it on fire? So anyway, great movie. Check it out if you got some free time. Um, so yeah, Spencer, thanks for, uh, thanks for being here for a couple months and thanks for spending some time on the podcast with us. Um, tell all your friends, smash that like button, subscribe, unsubscribe, subscribe. There you go. That's, that's how you really rise up in the ranks. Yeah. I learned that from Spencer as well. So that's the cool part about being an instructor. You get to learn from these young bloods. Should I give one last shout out? Yeah. What do you got? Shout out to the clinic boys. No, you're going to be listening. The Island boys? The Island boys. <laughs> the clinic boys. All right. The clinic boys. Excellent. All right. Thanks everybody for listening. Remember to check out our website, rockvalleypt.com and our Facebook for more information about Rock Valley and our employer health services and physical therapy and occupational therapy. Rock Valley has over 50 clinics serving Iowa, Illinois, and Nebraska. Our employees live out our tagline every day with the goal of making better lives. 